0: Guys, welcome to today's episode of The Greatest Machine. I'm your host, Darius Machazi, and boy, do we have a special guest. Mike Canings is in the house. What's up, my man, Mike?
1: Hey, great to be here. Awesome, awesome time. Thanks for the opportunity.
0: Oh, man, I'm so pumped to have you here. Uh, do you mind if I do a little bit of housekeeping, and then we'll jump right into the show? Take care of business. All right, let's do it. So, for listeners who are new to the show, the Greatness Machine, we're about two things: people who are living their passion, and those who are creating greatness in the world, and doing so despite the odds. And my man Mike here is neither short of passion nor greatness. So, I, I, uh, Mike, and I were talking before the show, but I told him, I said, "You know, man, I was trying, I was hitting you up a bunch all over the place. I saw that you were connected with my my good friend Justin Breen, former guest on the show." And yep. and that was not my introduction to you. My introduction to you was actually uh, without being directly uh, uh, introduced to you. Was I had s- seen that you had done a- some very important work with one of my good friends and also a former guest on the show, Justin Donald of the Lifestyle yeah. Investor. Uh, you were a big part of him, kind of like launching his Lifestyle uh, Investor brand. And I was always like, man, that guy's that guy's got his shit together. <laughs> You know, like he's doing some really cool stuff. Um, yeah. I would like to talk to him someday. And so you were just kind of like on my list. I was like, all right, one day I'll I'll talk to Mike when I see the opportunity. So I asked Justin Breen, who I think you, what do you guys know each other through, Dan Sullivan or A360 yeah, or both? Through,
1: through Strategic Coach, I've been uh, doing a podcast with Dan for several years. I've been in coach for 15, and it's a great place to meet amazing people.
0: Totally. And so, and so yeah. Justin, I saw that you guys were like just talking or something online. And I'm like, hey, Justin, will you introduce me to Mike? So he was so gracious to do so. Uh, yeah. But man, I'm just pumped to have you here, my friend. Pumped Thank to you. Have you.
1: No, it's good. Good to be here. And I love, I love your story too, just uh, where you came from, what you've done. And, and um, you've really made the most of uh, being a, a founder who's figured out your next act
0: yeah that which is uh it, it, i was just complaining to my assistant that uh it's like watching someone go through a midlife crisis uh yeah. you know <laughs> i'm like you've had a front row seat to watching me go through a midlife crisis like give me cut me some slack here you know yeah uh this isn't normal uh so uh if you don't want to i'd like to give your formal bio and then uh sure. we could hop it hop into the show so um you guys mike Kane is is just a all-around world-class badass uh, that's at least the the Webster's dictionary definition of a gentleman like himself. Uh, but, but Mike is really he, you're a business transformer. Uh, he's a serial entrepreneur with five successful exits and a 17 time best selling author, as well as a captivating speaker. He's the secret weapon that founders are look who are looking to create and launch a new business after their exit, post-exit, building magnetic personal brands that multiply in value and every, with everything they do and to do so in a very short period of time. Mike, uh, like I said, the way I was connected with him was watching him do this with Justin uh, Donald and his lifestyle invest, invest investor brand. Um, but, but yeah, Mike is really doing some awesome stuff. Uh, outside of the 17 time bestselling author, you have two amazing podcasts. You do Capability Amplifier with Dan Sullivan, and the big leap with Gay Hendricks, uh, just, and and most importantly, the founder of the superpower power accelerator. So man, Mike, I'm sure I missed a ton of other amazing things. I know I always uh, do that, but man, welcome to the show, my friend. Welcome. I'm so, so pumped to have you here.
1: It's, uh, it's great. No, I, I like getting into the meat, uh, like you, which is just kind of create some great entertainment, some great value for the listeners and viewers of the show. And so, uh, I'll let you drive the drive the car. But yeah, I've had the good fortune of doing a lot of stuff, having a lot of uh, next acts myself, a lot of reinventions. And that's really what lights me up these days is to do the same
0: for other founders. That's awesome, man. So so if you don't mind, like, you know, take us back because I, I know like obviously we no one's gonna get on the greatness machine unless unless they've done some cool stuff. But but I, I always tell the our audience, I'm like, look, like we all gotta start somewhere and all of our guests, they all started some with more humble beginnings than others, but I'd love to hear a little bit of your origin story. Do you mind like kind of take us back yeah. to where you were at before you got to where you are?
1: Yeah, in fact, I just got back last night from my big origin story, which is I grew up in a very tiny town called Eagle Lake, Minnesota. There were 763 people in my little town. That's what the sign said growing up. Now it's like 1100. And um, I was around towns that even uh, when I was in Mankato, which is the big city next to my little town. Uh one called Rapidan had 156 people on the on the sign. I took a picture of myself in front of it. And I grew up with cornfields, soybean fields, alfalfa fields on all sides of me. So um my dad was a barber, son of a you know, grew up very poor on a farm. My my mom was the daughter of a philandering alcoholic and a bipolar mother. So I didn't have any uh, any real options growing up? I wasn't good at school, didn't really care for sports much, and uh, but I always had a, a big personality, and I loved business, and I loved technology. So I taught myself to code when I was fourteen. My goal was to run away from home, go work for Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak at Apple. Um, that not exactly that happened, but I did wind up writing video games and started a digital marketing agency, and had a cell, and then I had a couple software companies and along the way uh, i was married to my high school sweetheart which uh did not end particularly well um and uh you know i as i often say my first business cost me my first marriage my second and third businesses nearly cost me my life my second marriage and and relationship with my only son so um that's a lot packed into a short uh, origin story, but the bottom line is I've I've definitely lived through the pain, pains of entrepreneurship, and uh, I guess I've had the gift of being blessed with a lot of hunger and a lot of fear about not having enough, running out, not being enough, um, and dealing with the the traumas that anyone who's a founder goes through to uh, get to what we think is the other side, which is to have uh, cash confidence and not run out of, uh, money and know that we can always go back to the well and, and create more value and create more income and, and wealth for ourselves, even if we lose it a couple of times.
0: It's so, it's well, first of all, thank you for sharing that. And so, you know, did you, so having started off and being interested in technology and having a, a you know, a big personality, did that, you know, when you start to think, looking back at your background, like for me, I was just, I, my dad was an entrepreneur. So I, mm. I didn't, I I remember I was a sophomore in college and I told my mom I'm like mom I don't need to graduate college I'm never gonna have a job I'm I'm never gonna yeah. work for anybody else so um w- for you like how did how did you get into entrepreneurship I mean obviously not uh, what I find is people that aren't great at school you're not afforded the more formal pathways of like these like high end jobs because you're not like you're not in the box right was that yeah. kind of like did that. I mean, was it? Did you get into sales? Did you go straight to tech? Like, what what, tell walk us through that a little bit.
1: Yeah. So, I started like at my house from day as long as I can remember. So, I'll say from age five. Um, if I wanted money, I worked for it. So, it would be I started shoveling the driveway. My, you know, we probably had a 25 cent a week allowance or something like that, which basically was promptly spent at the uh, at the corner grocery store on bubble gum and lollipops, but. Um, I started shoveling and mowing lawns and raking leaves and doing anything a kid my age would do we eventually had a paper out. And it turned out someone on the paper out owned the one gas station in the little town I grew up in. So the day I turned 16 on my 16th birthday, which is the first time you could really be employed before that, like I corn tasselled I worked in farms, bean hoed and that kind of thing for farming families. But I started working full time the day I turned 16 at a fuel station. So I'd work every weekend and then every day after school until closing time, which was nine or 10 o'clock. And then um, I, I started coding early and my dad, who is a barber, would always say, yeah, my son likes computers. And someone say, really, you're You think you could come in and teach my secretary how to use ours? We've got a computer sitting in the corner. It's doing nothing. So, you know, he <laughs> would say, yeah, I think you'd do that. He'd call me on the phone. Hey, Mike, guy needs some help here. You think you can come down and help him? And I'd be like, yep, I can do that. And at the time, if someone says, do you think you could do X? I'd be like, yeah, I think I can. Didn't mean I knew a damn thing about it. I just did it. Right. And, um, You know, I beat the hell out of flipping burgers and and working at the McDonald's, which is about the next step up. But so I worked full time at that. And then I started working at a computer store, uh, Apple dealership, and, um, you know, got my hands on the first Macintosh and I taught myself how to code on the Mac. And, um, you know, and then I got another job and another job. I mean, at any given time, I probably had three or four jobs. Which I really learned from my dad, who was the most disciplined, hardworking, focused human I've ever known in my life. Like, he has a, a machine. So, not only did he own a barbershop, which didn't mean he made any money, he was the city clerk, he was the building inspector, he sharpened scissors, and he volunteered nonstop. So, to say the least, we didn't see a lot of my dad, but he just always <clears throat> made money. He didn't ever figure out how to create leverage for himself is the unfortunate thing. Yeah. Um, and my mom was busy taking care of four kids. But, you know, I'd been independent since as long as I can remember. And to me, in my mind, life didn't begin until I got to leave the house and I was on my own. So the day I turned 18, I was out of the house. Um and um never asked for a dollar from my dad from the time probably I was 15 years old or so other than at one point, I wrecked my car. I needed a little loan temporarily, but I paid them back. Um, so I just always had a hunger, and and probably the best way to summarize this is, <clears throat> you know, as being the oldest of four, coming from a family that didn't have a lot to begin with, in Minnesota, where it is cold as hell, we often joke that there's two seasons. It's mosquito season and road construction. Um, well, I guess there's three. Then there's winter. but. I, I, as long as I can remember, I hated being last cold and poor. And so I did everything I could to never be those three. And that's why I live in San Diego to this day. I just hate being cold. And it, you know, even standing in a VIP line is still a line. I want to find out where the back door is, walk in through that, meet the founder performer and talk to God. Otherwise it ain't VIP. And so I don't believe in rules and I don't believe in standing in lines. So, um,
0: Oh my God. Can I, I got to hear this. So I, I, I have a 10 year old and a 13 year old or a nine year old and 13 year old. And, um, yeah. we're, we're in Hawaii. We just got back from vacation and, and, um, we're at whole foods and a in, uh, in Lonnie Kai in, or, Kau- or Kailua in Hawaii. Yeah. And there's a massive line cause they're having like some staff shortage. I'm talking like 25 people in two lines. Each line has 25 people. And I look over and I see that there's a woman, there's a coffee bar. And I go to my sons, I go, watch this. And uh, by the way, I wasn't even in line. I was like looking for which line. I was looking for how to not be in the line. And I go up, I go, excuse me, do you mind if, could you check me out? And she's like, sure, no problem. So she checks me out. We don't wait in line and we leave. And I look at my two boys and I go, hey, listen, guys, I'm going to teach you a life lesson right now. And you just reminded me of this, Mike, by the way. I said, there's two types of people in this world. There's people that wait in lines and then people that don't. And I'm not saying that you should ever cut in line. That's not what Mm -hmm. I mean. What I mean is you figure out a way to not wait in line. And, and, And so it's funny when you said that. I said, your dad is a person that doesn't wait in lines. Um, and, 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 and nor should you guys be. And I'm not saying it, that you should do something that's unfair. You should not go and stand in front of someone that's in line. You should not, you should figure out what the system is so you can get around it. So I, so you said that for yourself, why, like, is that something that for me, it kind of came natural a little bit. Like I was like, I don't want to wait in line. I'd rather just not do it if I'm in line, uh, for you, like, is that just the kind of the same mentality? Give me your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. I'd say, so whenever I, I think I've always internally internalized that, and I don't think I'm better than anyone else. It's just I see the ridiculousness. And it wasn't long ago, I remember reading this, um, I believe it was a scientific paper written by some brainiac mathematician about how um, traffic snakes, you know, how it, it, it squeezes and pulls in. And usually it is caused by someone who's going too slow. They slow down for no reason and it it starts this contraction expansion thing. And the best thing you can do to stop it is cut. It's cut in line. It's the best thing to stop that from happening because it actually makes it more efficient. I think nature wants to be efficient. Nature wants to evolve all the time. And things and people who hesitate and slow it down for no reason whatsoever are an impediment to growth and evolution. Um, And like, I speed. I drive fast. I drive a really fast car. I like driving fast. I'm not dangerous. I'm not trying to kill anyone, but I have a radar detector. You know, Um, is that immoral, unethical, or uh, ill? Yeah, I don't think so. I think uh, I don't wait in line. I try to be (laughs) efficient. And it's sort of like even coming out of the airport from San Diego, you have the sheep going in the safe corner and there'll be like three lights long and it takes 20 minutes or you can go on the hard left at the very end wait for some guy who's sitting on his mobile phone texting when he should be driving cut in front of him, and it speeds it up for everyone it's like i'm not gonna wait so what i tell people anytime we're working together i say first of all do you know what rules are and they'll go like uh it's for and i'll go it's for other people rules are for (laughs) other people Okay. I got another rule, which is I don't do homework, okay? I never have, never did homework. If I couldn't do it right now or outsource it or or pay someone to do it for me, I just didn't do it. I'd find a way to negotiate or I'd create value somewhere else by testing, which meant cramming, memorizing something and then doing the best I could. But I I've always hated homework. So to this day, my operating principle is, How can I create the most value? If you want something done from me, I'll either do it now with you or you make an appointment and I'll do it with you together or I will delegate it or I will say no. I don't do homework ever. Okay. It sucks. It's incompatible with my brain. So Some of this, I think, has to do with actually knowing what I'm good at. Um, I'm good at execution, figuring things out, doing it quickly and finishing it. And I found that most founders, most CEOs are collaborative in nature as well. And what we mostly have in common is we hate doing homework. Okay. It's just like, ugh. So there's nothing worse than going to an event or going and learning something and then having to do more work. It's sort of like, why don't you teach us something, mentor me, make me your apprentice. Let's do it together. Let's learn kinesthetically where I can compress time. And then it'll be done. And then let's go hang out and have fun and have a really good conversation where we'll talk about collaborating and making something that we can sell someday. Okay. So I if I have man. to learn in a linear fashion, which sucks, okay, it's obsolete. AI is going to completely decimate and destroy that. Or um, I got to listen to someone yam, 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 who probably isn't doing anything anymore, they're just teaching and repurposing and reusing the same old garbage. So if it isn't recent, it's probably obsolete. If we're not going to do and make something of value that someone can vote with a wallet, I don't see any point in it. Okay, now I like research for research sake, but I just believe in kinesthetic learning and creating as much value as possible. But why not collaborate and be an apprentice, be a mentor and teach other people how to do the same thing?
0: With, with, um, so like that, keeping that in mind, by the way, what's your, what's your Colby? I know you're a Dan Sullivan, I'm a, So
1: I'm a three, one, nine, five.
0: Uh, I was so. going to say like you, you for sure. So, 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 so I was like, you must have, uh, I was like, I bet you he's a nine quick start. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm a six, How three, about three, you? three, what's, uh, your, what's your Colby? I'm six, three, eight, three. So, so oh, okay. high, uh, high fact finder, high quick start, uh, everything else is kind of yeah. low. It's high enough where I could, I, I could tie my shoes in the morning, barely with other stuff, uh-huh. but I need, I need to be, a, I, I need a strong act, I need a strong executor around me more or less.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I have the curse of being a five, which can be good and bad. It means that <clears throat> I can figure out how to do most things, be okay at it, but I had to learn like to adjust it. You know, and I think, you know, when you're a low fact finder, it means usually you rely on your intuition or asking other people. So what I do is I'll call 10 people and ask them the same question. That way I've outsourced the fact finding and the follow through. That's why I say, let's do it now. Schedule it with me or I'll delegate it. But I'm not going to do homework. So, again, I think the key is learn who you are and make sure that you're acting in congruence with that. I also think if you've done the work, you've, you know, figured out who you are, the, the personality profiles are tendencies. They aren't rules any longer. Cause it's like,
0: I'm
1: not a high executor anymore just because my time is better spent in other places. I still like knowing how things work, but that's the hobby side of me. It'll be like, I do it cause it's fun. Not because I need to.
0: Yeah, that, that makes sense. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear, uses directed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and supply and demand echo through business history when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the, did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com slash darius. All lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to Shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash darius. That's uh, so so but uh so so I, I kind of want to walk into you know the work you're doing now, but so how does one get into, I mean, wh- like when you look back, cause like I'll use myself as, as an example, I'm mm-hmm. a person that's always loved communication and learning. And so like, you know, and, and podcast is not my profession, but it's something that I, that it is a passion that, that I yeah. do seriously. Right. Um, right on. so, so, so that kind of makes sense, right? I'm not using it to build a brand outside of the fact that I truly am just building my podcast brand, which is very different than how most people use podcasts. Yes. Um, I but if you look at me I'm starting a private equity fund right now and I was an operator that built a very large business but really loved the process of of the bu- building the business less the product right so private yeah. equity seems to be a natural fit for me um mm-hmm. when I look at what you're doing right now where you're helping folks post exit build a personal build their next thing their brand right like using Justin's a great example lifestyle investor which I yeah. literally was on calls with him In March of 20, March of 20, I guess, uh, you know, this is what he was just doing a lot of like he was testing the idea really with friends and then saw him launch in September, October, and then saw him convert it to a mastermind and then saw him launch the book and it became a a bestseller Wall Street. Uh, journal bestseller USA best bestseller and now he has this massive masterminds one of the top masterminds in the country I literally yeah. saw that happen front row seat eating popcorn chatting with him seeing it yeah. and being like holy shit I told yeah. him I said I've never seen anything like this before man and I know that yeah. you guys did a lot of work together so yeah. uh, I don't want to steal Justin's thunder but like yeah uh, like before we get into like maybe using that as an example How did you end up in a spot where, where you were like, Hey, I'm starting the superpower accelerator. I mean, what was it? Was that a combination of what sort of efforts got you there?
1: Yeah. Um, well here's, so anyone who's built and sold a business and done it by the skin of their teeth, um, by creating value. So I never, other than using some credit card money, I never borrowed money. I didn't raise money. I didn't do the investor path. I didn't go to a bank. I went out and I sold something and then I fulfilled and delivered on it. And then I created some leverage and hired some people so we could grow and scale. And that's, there's good and bad to that, right? Sometimes it takes longer. Um, but what had happened after I, after I had my fifth company. So the first one was, I created one of the very first digital marketing agencies. It was called digital cafe started in 1989, sold it in 99 to a billion dollar a year publicly traded, um, Agency um, that was owned by IPG, the Interpublic Group. They're massive. There's basically there's Omnicom and IPG are the ones that own big agencies. Yeah, and I, know I really IPG. learned you know those guys. Yeah, so, um, and I got to work with big brands like BMW and Sony and Twentieth Century Fox, and our angle was. Um, we did at the time what we called it interactive multimedia, but it was like, we started doing floppy based sales presentations then CD-ROMs, then the early web, then some of the first digital like websites for movie. And we did, um, video games that had a cinematic flair. So my business partner was a filmmaker. I was a game developer and we put our technologies together. And I promise I'm going to answer your question, but the, some of the story will help make this make sense. So second company was Traffic Geyser. Third was Instant Customer, which were two of the first SaaS companies that did online marketing Mm. and also studying under Dan Sullivan and a lot of the early um, pioneers of product creation. Um, uh, Some of the early online marketers like Frank Kern, Jeff Walker, at the time, Russell Brunson came along much later, but guys like uh, uh, Andy Jenkins, Mike Filsaime, um, there were a whole bunch of other, Armin Morin. These are some of the first wave of online marketers. They were all friends of mine and we created a lot of products. We launched a lot of products together, made millions of dollars together, doing a combination of events, digital products, digital marketing, but I automated it. So I had a genuine SaaS. Sold that to what, what effectively was a SPAC Another publicly traded company that was um owned by uh investment bank, and then um I created you everywhere now where we help people become write books become best selling authors um, we taught we had so we had publish and profit that was the publishing side speak and profit where we taught people how to speak and sell create and profit how to turn your knowledge into digital products we had consult and profit how to coach advise and then the last one was. Uh, we call it the celebrity boot camp, where we teach people and we media trained them. So I had a big studio. Right. We'd bring in a bunch of people and create sizzle reels, radio, television, streaming, um, et cetera. So they could go out and look like they belonged on TV, like after three days. So one day I woke up and I hated my life and I hated my business and I was anxious and suicidal. Like, I, and I didn't know why, like on paper, I should have been happy because I was mm-hmm. rich and lived on the beach in La Jolla, had a beautiful wife and son, but I wanted to be dead. Some of it was I had a hormonal imbalance going on that I didn't, I just didn't know what was happening. But the other part was, God, I couldn't articulate it at the time, but I'd outgrown who I was, what I did, why I did it, who I did it for. And I got some coaching. I got some help. And I was lucky enough to wind down the business without it costing me a fortune. Because here's the bad news is all my marketing quit, quit, working, or quit working all at once. I had pre-sold a year and a half worth of product. And um, if I would have just gave everyone their money back, it would have cost me a million and a half hard. Plus to shut down the business is another half a million bucks. It's like $2 million hard to get out from underneath. This pain in the ass I had built for myself. So, I did the work, and I spent about a year and a half just figuring out how to unravel, unwind, do all the fulfillment. And I was like, "What am I going to do next?" And Dan Sullivan how, how, gave me some advice. How, Go ahead.
0: Can I ask you a question? Yeah. How How old were you when that happened, or how long ago was that? So that was
1: about six years ago now. So I'm I'm forty. I'm fifty seven now. So let's say fifty one. But for right. some people that you just quit, you know, some people are like, ah, I, 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 they get stuck and they'll either become alcoholics or, or just stay stuck and be miserable and probably become an alcoholic or, um, <laughs> you know, something else horrible will happen. You know, addictions happen when the universe is forcing you to to change your dirty diapers and you refuse to do it. Yeah. Um, and I had good coaching. I belonged to groups like genius network, strategic coach, mastermind talks, um, summit series. I'd been to burning man, you know, so I kind of had my, uh, insides, insides, outsided and my outsides insided. Um, Uh, and, uh, I, Dan Sullivan gave me a piece of advice. I said, Dan, what do you think I should do next? And he goes, I don't know, but I'll, t- I'll tell you how you can find out. And I go, okay, what's that? Because you, you talk to 20 founders or entrepreneurs, and you ask them the Dan Sullivan question, and then something called DOS. And the way it goes is the Dan Sullivan question, would be like, hey, Darius, if you and I were to get together three years from today, what will have happened personally and professionally for you to feel happy with your progress? And you just listen. And another piece of advice that Dan gave me, he says, you can't sell these people anything. You just have to shut up and listen. He didn't say it quite that way. That's Mike language. Uh, he, knows, he wouldn't say shut up. But basically, <laughs> so the, the first question is the, is the Dan Sullivan question. And then DOS, D-O-S, is dangers. So what's preventing you from getting there? O for opportunities. What kind of opportunities would you like to take advantage of um, that you can't um, or you don't? For whatever reason and then s are what are your strengths what what is your unique ability i call it what are your superpowers and the bottom line is he said after you ask 20 people that question you're going to know exactly what the answer was and after three i had my answer which was i need to work with people just like me um folks who've reached their point where they're seeking their next act they want to create a business they'll love the rest of their life that has fewer moving parts, high net, low overhead, fewer, no employees. That's genuinely lifestyle compatible, meaning the business won't damage your health, your marriage, your relationships with your children, or who you're, you are at your core, your soul energy. And mm. um, And so, for example, when I met Justin, he didn't fit quite in that category. You know, he was a younger guy at the time, but for him when i talked to him he he's just trying to figure out what he's going to do and he had some unique abilities and i i looked at him and i said you know i i asked him what do you do and he goes well, i'm a cash flow investor and i'm like well what the hell is that doesn't that doesn't make sense he said well i uh i have time freedom i uh figured out a way to generate enough cash flow that my wife never has to work and then i uh uh, I figured out how to do it for myself. And I'm like, dude, everyone in the world wants that. So I, you have enough passive income where you don't have to work anymore. And he goes, yeah, I go. Everyone wants that. And he yeah, goes, whole, well, I don't well, know I started. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the bottom line is I spent some time with him and, uh, we, built you know my wife actually created the the name lifestyle investor that was her idea she's a oh, great I didn't branding know that.
0: that's a, that's yeah. amazing that's a great great brand i love his brand
1: it it's it is it's it's fantastic and then we started working on the book we created the 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 sales pitch and i worked with him on you know a whole bunch of these pieces but uh yeah i mean he's a remarkable guy a truly remarkable guy
0: yeah that's that's did you did you guys meet through Brad Weimer? Is that how you guys know yeah, each other? That,
1: that's exactly right. It was at a, a trip to Greece with Brad.
0: Yeah, and so, um, so Brad's Brad's like one of my. Those are like two of my closest friends in Austin. Like Brad I love and Brad. Justin. Those are the two guys I spend time with probably more than anyone else in Austin. Those two. He's so,
1: such a good dude, man. He's such yeah, a good I'm, dude.
0: Brad and Justin, when you guys listen to this, just know that we love you. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. For so sure. okay, I I had heard you guys had met through a Brad's one of Brad's trips. Um, yeah. So so walk t- let's talk about that like just I, I think Justin's a great case study and I know I don't want to make the whole episode about Justin but I think it's just such yeah. a like it is a really good case study cuz cuz I said this to him I'm like your product like look product market fit to your point 1 second ago this is a guy who had figured out a way to replace his income he was a cash flow investor he had figured yeah. out a way to like really have a great lifestyle he didn't yep. have to do anything. He's just passionate nope. about helping other people do the same thing. He's helped I've me tried. a lot do it, right? Yeah. And, and he wanted to launch this Lifestyle Investor brand. Yeah. And I, as I mentioned earlier, Mike, I watched him do it and I told him, like, this is probably a year ago and I've known Justin now for three years. And we were having a moment because I've, you know, I've gone through a pretty big transformation myself. And I said to him, I said, you know, um, you know man, you're, like yeah. it's remarkable to see what you've done. Like the product market fit of, it was obviously uncanny, right? Like, Hey, I'm going to teach people how to replace their income. Yes. Like who if the whole world wants to do that. Right. And and to be able to just like chill and have time, time, uh, freedom, time wealth. And, but to take that and look, there's plenty of people that teach that that's not a new, like, like Robert Kiyosaki is like the original guy teaching that. Right. Yeah, there, There's there's nothing new here to teach that, but to do what he did to say, Hey, I, I'm going to take this, this thing that I've done. And then, Turn it into literally like this crazy mastermind, which anyone could go into Lifestyle Investor and look at it. First of all, I don't even know if he's letting people in it anymore. It's like this super exclusive. I, pre- I pre- presented my private equity um, business to his Lifestyle Investor group. And I mean, mm-hmm. and I've, I've, I presented my book to that crew. It is, I mean, some of the most top-notch people probably in the country, if not the world. Um, to, to grow that thing and to do it, it wasn't like he grinded to do it. It was like instant Like, I I don't want to undermine what he did because it's, but it was so fast to see it happen. I've never seen anything like it. So tell us like, what, is that just lightning in a bottle? Is he one, is he like, is that usual, unusual? I'm assuming it's not totally usual, but, but tell us a little bit about how your process helped create that.
1: Sure. The the bottom line is, here's our big promise is we will do one of three core things for you. We will either create a business from scratch and build the brand, the offer, the pitch deck, um, expert status, authority building content, which can include writing the first chunk of a book. I write for entrepreneur, fast company, Forbes magazine. Um, I do two podcasts so I can literally manufacture celebrity status in a week for someone. But In one week, I've got an amazing team. First of all, this isn't about me. It's like I've got rock star, like Delta Force brainiacs who work. But we will create the identity, the offer, the content, the pitch. We'll spend time in my studio that I'm sitting in right now, which is a multi camera, completely computer operated studio. And we'll produce the content, we'll produce the webinar, um, all the messaging, campaigns, referral strategy. And we do it in a week. And if you had to work with someone else, <clears throat> most people say this will take somewhere between three months, six months, a year, or never to get done. Because most people just don't know how to get everything done all at once. And um, now we, we're adding AI to that mix. We get a lot of stuff done because of AI. Now we're adding software to that mix. So we'll actually start developing a software platform around your IP. But then. Um, Our record is we created a brand with a founder who called me up and he's in the process of selling his company. I said, what are you going to do next? And he goes, I don't know, but I want to come see and we'll figure it out. So he literally walked in having no idea what to do. And we picked a piece of IP he had been sitting on, built a business around it, created a pitch deck. I introduced him to a guy in my network who I knew was looking for his next deck, put them together. They went out and they closed a $35 million deal two weeks later, and they were on a $100 million run rate. Um, within four months. So that's our record. But my promise to someone is you're gonna produce a minimum of a million dollars in a hundred days, or I won't work with you. And it's very common that we create a couple million dollars worth of value or hard revenue um very, very quickly. And some people literally will leave my studio. You know, they spend a week on at my beach condo. It's actually the picture behind me in La Jolla. And um, I've had people leave on a Thursday, they're on stage on a Saturday or in front of a group and they'll close a million or $2 million worth of business. Um, And then they'll take our webinar, which we publish and promote with our podcast and then with articles we'll write, and they'll generate enough leads to produce hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars in revenue, or get in front of someone who does. Now in the case of Justin, First of all, why did it work for him? First of all, he's hungry as hell. That guy is really real willing to do the work. He had built up a lot of credibility, and he had a lot of vendors. like financial. Uh, his financial network was fantastic. And they all were watching this guy go from kind of zero. He was a Cutco knife sales manager. His wife was a schoolteacher. And he was financially free and independent meaning he had enough cash flow and passive income. He didn't have to work and neither did his wife. Okay, well, that's a big ding, ding, ding. Um, he was informally meeting with people and kind of coaching them. And, and I said, I can build a whole business around you. And I asked him, you know, how much would you charge to spend a year with someone to show them what you know? And he goes, do you think $15,000 is too much? And I go, dude, I'm going to get you 250 grand. And he was like, Ugh. you know, you can see he was having contortions, his face. As so I go, I will prove it to you. And it turned out this is like God shining bright, flashy lights on us or a UFO. I don't know which one. But what happened was I got a call from a guy in my network who I knew had just lost 9% of his net worth. He sold his company, he put a bunch of money under a management a financial firm and for whatever reason, lost a bunch of it. He's in a world of pain because he had had like a nine figure exit. And he called me out and said, Hey, I'm in town. You want to meet for a drink? And I go, dude, I'm going to do you a big, big favor. I'm going to introduce you to a guy named Justin Donald. He's the lifestyle investor. And mind you, we had invented that name 20 minutes before he called. <laughs> okay? And I had just coached Justin minutes before on his offer. And I, go, and I go, where are you? He goes, I'm at the La Jolla Shores Hotel. And I go, you won't believe this. I, I have a condo across the street from you. We'll walk down. Let's, I'll buy a drink. And he goes, great. So 15 minutes later, we walked downstairs. I introduced uh, uh, this guy to Justin. I won't say his name, just in case. And I said, so-and-so, this is Justin Donald. He's the lifestyle investor. I can guarantee you that problem that you just had will never happen again. This guy can help you achieve a new level of financial freedom, never get screwed and put you into some deals that you simply won't find without having the connections he does. And a couple of days later, this guy paid wire transfer $250,000 to Justin. And then Justin took that and there was someone in another group he was at, gave him the same pitch, closed his next one. He was up a half million dollars weeks after. Okay. And then he subsequently went out to his network who knew him, trusted him, liked him. He said, I'm doing this mastermind. It's 50 grand. If you get in with, you know, if you're one of the first X number, I don't remember what it was. I'll give it to you at a little discount. Boom, 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 boom. He had like 38 people in this thing really quickly. And that's probably when you were watching this going, holy crap, because he went from like zero to a million, million and a half. But by the third year, he was, you know, you can do the math on 150 people times 50 grand a head. Um, yeah. Plus the deals he was seeing, his net worth skyrocketed in three years. And I've, I've always said this. I think Justin will go from, you know, a, around an eight figure net worth to an over nine figure where he's at now to a billion dollar net worth, I think faster than anyone I know. Um, because, he embodies the right kind of thinking. So I know that was a long-winded explanation, but our strategy is just find out what you're great at and build on top of that and craft an amazing story that people raise their hand and go like, "I I want that. I I have to have it."
0: I love that man, and and, and it's interesting just to hear it because I'm I'm in Tiger 21 with, with Justin, so I, I know yes. I know his I know his story as as good as probably as good as you do from a different angle. Um yeah. so it's cool to hear it, to hear it from a different spot um what so what would be like an example of obviously you guys have an avatar and you've kind of given some color on what that looks like yeah. but who's who's a person like 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 if 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 you're gonna give me your ideal client it's a person that's you know maybe they've exited maybe they haven't, but mm-hmm. they're 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 going moving on to their next act yeah. like like walk me through who's the ideal person to come and really get value from the superpower accelerator.
1: Yeah, there's, there's three core categories and I'm going to give you the exact precise and, and I'll give you the, the, the psychographics, which is more important than the demographics. But um, the first thing that every one of them have in common is they have either reached a point where they've, sold their business and they want that simplified next act business, which I described at first, or like a Justin, they realize, holy crap, no one knows who I am. I I have some special capabilities and skills, but I might not even be able to articulate it. But people tell me all the time, there's something about me that's super valuable, right? Um, And so what we do is it's someone who they know that having a strong personal brand will elevate the value of everything they touch for the rest of their life. So I am coaching someone right now who works for one of the wealthiest people in the world doing extraordinary things. I cannot mention the who, what at this moment without his permission, but this guy, if you'd know who he is and who he works with, you'd go like, holy crap. And he's in a position where as long as he's still working in this organization, He can build connections and build the foundation of his platform so that the moment he leaves or decides what he's going to do next, he could get like anyone on the phone, create massive momentum, get speaking gigs and and earn like six figures per speaking gig and have massive value that if he goes out and either raises money with or for someone or gets involved as an advisor, he can name his own price. But if he doesn't do it, he will literally cease to exist and be a has been in a year. Okay. So uh, that's an extreme case. But what I like to say is if you're genuinely one of the best in the world at at who you are, but no one knows who you are, while you have a business, you've got to build a strong personal brand and that'll elevate everything you touch. So that's category two. Category three is what I call the frustrated founder who got where, where I was. You know, you feel like you've outgrown who you are, what you do, why you do it, who you do it for. And you love your business, but you're not lit up by it anymore. So having a customer that inspires you, like a really high-end client, or a package offer that maybe the idea of charging three or five or ten times more for what you do scares the hell out of you, and um, that's part of what we'll do. So it's sort of like increase the value of everything you touch or increase the value of you, or reinvent. Those are the three categories. And um, in the formula that I have, I call it your perfect who. So this is the makeup of of who I, I look for. So number one, I only work with founders and owners. I don't work with employees. So they have to be a check writer and a decision maker. I happen to prefer B2B businesses. I won't say no to B2C, but... Usually B2C businesses are governed not by innovation, but by bean counting, which doesn't interest me at all. In other words, it's sort of like you got to squeeze the supply side and vendors. And like, I, I, I hate, I don't give a crap about nickels or I don't want to talk to a consumer. It's just like, it it doesn't inspire me. So I don't do it again. There are some instances where I'll say, yes, I've done some stuff in the beverage business that are, um, some food stuff that's interesting, but it's because it's breakthrough ingredients, manufacturing, it better be breakthrough, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So the other one is like someone who had a recent exit and they're not going to just sit and they're like, oh, well, I'm going to go live on Hawaii. They got to be motivated to do something again. You can't be in the place where the whole world looks like a minefield of what you shouldn't do. Or as soon as things get hard, you're going to be like, well, I have enough money. I'm just going to like sit around, you know, like, not interested in in that. Um another one is you're cash confident which means you have more money than time. Um you have to have proven successes and social proof so transformationally minded like you freaking love your customers and you're Im- Im- invested in seeing them succeed. Um another one this is super important a history of being coachable or coached which means you're a belonger. So most likely you're in or been in YPO, EO, Vistage, Strategic Coach, Genius Network, Abundance 360, Tony Robbins, something like that. It's like you love being around other founders. Um, another important one is you have a message you want to be a trusted authority, or you've had a taste of it. Like you are perfect because, like you know, the value of having a podcast and collaborating and talking to other founders is inspiring, and it gives you access. And you get to have conversations you wouldn't have any other way, right?
0: Totally. totally. Um,
1: yep. And you know this, knowing uh, having a strong personal brand will boost your value and pricing, get you into doors, get you past the VIP line, which ain't a, cause it's a line, right? Um, totally. You, uh, you want to or have spoken, you've maybe written a book. And then uh, this is the other one I like, which is a a total Elon Musk is you're willing to blow up rockets, experiment and iterate and test to find breakthroughs. Um, And then the last one is, in my experience, eight, nine or 10 Colby um, uh, fast or quick start. And the reason if you're too high of a fact finder, you're going to be like, well, I have to think about it. I have to talk to someone. If you can't make a decision on the spot, you're a hell no. It's like people who hesitate and sit in their poopy diapers, they're just going to sit in their poopy diapers. They'd rather smell their own crap than do something new or different. And uh, and I think poopy diaper syndrome is, is not for me. I can't fix that. And you got to have some charisma. Like I can fix a lot of stuff. If you're boring as hell and you like staring at your belly button all day, probably can't help that.
0: <laughs> I love it, man. That, that was yeah. amazing. So... Um... I two, well, I have two things. So, first of all, like having been someone, you know, and I, I'm, I use myself as an example because I, I, I'd be curious what your thoughts are on this. Like, I'm a person that exited my business, kind of was put in a position where I'm like, oh, I could kind of do like, you know, like it's not like I'm like fu money, but I can kind of do a lot of whatever I want, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, wrote a book, you know, did that really as a passion project. It just so happened that that I finished the book, you know, a few months before I exited. And, yeah. and and then and then and then dove into podcasts, launching some personal brand um around stuff I was passionate about what one of the things I, and I'm shifting back into i'm shifting now into something different because i yeah. i'm i maybe i'd like to hear your thoughts on someone like me. Yeah. I'm a person where I was like, oh man th- this is too small <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> i don't wanna I, I don't wanna be the doer like i'm the I'm the doer now, yeah, you know." And I've never been the dude. I, I had a thousand employees in my, my last business. And so I ended up like kind of it it felt too small. And I was like, uh, I need more of a team and I need this to be bigger. Um, like I don't want to have to like, I don't know, it's noisy out there. You know, there's a lot of people yeah. fighting for 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 space in the social media, personal brand space. And so I was like, all right, this isn't total, maybe it's not for me yet. Like, oh. so what w- what are your thoughts on that? Because I ended oh, up yeah. saying, you know what, I- I'm going to go back. I'm going to go build, I'm going to go do a private equity fund. I'm going to go buy companies. I'm going to go, yeah. I don't want to just coach CEOs. I want to actually own their companies. That was yeah. actually where I landed after, after coaching 55 CEOs. So I'd yeah. love to hear your thoughts on someone like me.
1: Right, right. So a guy like you, um, first of all, like, here's what does happen to everyone I always tell people you got to have a strong personal brand before you have an exit, because as soon as you're out of your own business, your power disappears and people who you thought were your friends won't call you back because you were a source of revenue and income to them and everyone's busy and they got a bunch of stuff. So first of all, don't think that the loyalties you think you have are actually real. And if you're if you have some sort of celebrity status and authority and a platform, you have value. So you got to have that all the time. And, and you know enough to know this now, like the, by all means, you got to be current. You got to be relevant. You got to be doing something because there's to me, there's nothing worse than a 10 tenured professor, which basically means 20. You could be sitting around for 25 years, have nothing to show for it. And then you're, you have your your PA is doing all the work. It's bullcrap. OK, if you haven't done something meaningful and recent in six months, you're irrelevant. Okay. And the universe, Dan Sullivan has a great saying, which is universe has a funny way of asking for its parts back. If you're not creating value. Um, (laughs) and, and so like a guy like you, um, you know, having a good platform, I would do some experiential events where you get the kind of people you want to be around. And as far as the world being noisy, the world's always been noisy. Okay. Um, and the way I look at noise is, there's going to be discreditable or dis already discredited um, fakers out there. Then you're going to have, if it's noisy and there's money, those are your friends and collaborators. I don't believe in competition. I believe in coopetition. Um, Dan Sullivan has the free zone. So it's like if you and I get together, I'll bet you, you and I can sit, that, sit down and come up with a 10x idea that neither one of us would do great by ourselves. But if we're working on it together, it could be worth 10 times. Okay, And I love to make stuff with people. I don't, I don't have any fun doing it by myself anymore. I just want to hang out with smart people I love, make cool shit. And I think it's important to get applause in the form of a bigger, fatter bank account that sells a higher ticket product to a better audience because people who are big players are fun people they live a different life, right? I don't want to, you know, I don't want to talk to someone who struggles to buy a can of uh, Coca-Cola and, and, and it's okay for someone to have that, but I'd rather put that money in a charity and let someone else take care of it. It's just not my, it's not my Dharma. And I suspect you're the same way, which is um, is One thing, business is another. Don't confuse the two unless one is buying for the other one. So with that in mind with you, um I love the idea of uh going out raising uh a fund as long as the money comes from people you love because one bad thing about bad uh investors is they're like bad customers you can never fire and they're hard to get rid of and they can right. do bad things they can make your life hell so be careful about the money you get cuz oftentimes by the time you get a commitment and you actually collect the check you could have made the money in less time with a lot less psychic energy Expelled. Um, You know, raising money is tough. It's really hard. Yeah. yeah. Really, they're harder checks to get than from customers. Um, So, back to answering your question, uh, I think having this podcast is a great idea. Having a book is a great idea. Just make sure it's written for the customer you want to spend your time with. And, um, you know, for a guy like you who's had an exit. What motivates you now? I suspect is very different from what did before, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's before I was. It was, I guess, a. Gr- I was. I was. Well, I. I don't know. Did yes, for sure. If before it was like I'm grinding to make, and now it's like, yeah, I still. I, I realize I love the game of making. Yeah, yeah. Lot, oh, a lot. Yeah. Like if that goes so when So I'm not winning. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You're, you're probably, if, uh, if that goes away, then there's another part of your body that probably isn't working anymore either. I was um, going to
0: say, I'm like, uh, I hope, yeah, I'm, I, I was talking to my, my assistant about it Friday. I said, I'm never going to quit. Like, yeah, I, I don't, yeah. there, I'm never, I'm never going to retire. Like, I love, I love making stuff and I liked like when you're describing what you like, I like, it was just, I was surprised. Like, I was like, Oh, this like personal brand stuff, like, I still do it like, you know, but, but, and I did it with a product that I built my book around and, and, and it's had a ton of success probably by most people stretch. They'd be like, Hey, dude, you built like a seven figure business around this thing? And I was like, uh eh, yeah, fuck no, this. You I'm going to go do private equity.
1: You gotta, you gotta like, you gotta honor the fact that you outgrew it. Okay. That's just your yeah. soul screaming. And if you ignore the signs from God or whatever you believe in, Uh, I think it's it's, you're disrespecting your soul and your purpose and your next evolution. So again, getting back to like my prescription for you would start with if I just said, okay, Darius, um, if you and I were, we literally rescheduled a recording um, one year from today, I'm going to do one year. What will have happened personally and professionally for you to be like, holy crap, beyond my wildest imagination? What would your answer to that be?
0: Oh, for me at this point it would it would probably with where my focus is that it's going to be that I've beyond my wildest imagination it's going to be that I've I've bought 10 companies and okay. you know I've really launched my private equity business.
1: Great. So, I want you to think for a moment about these 10 companies. And um now I believe the answer to all things lies in the people you're with, right? It's just like that's what lights us up. There's mission focus, but at the end of the day it's about who you're with and you're collaborating with. So uh, if you could pick and describe to me either the type of business, but more importantly, the founders of each of those three businesses, what what what's their makeup? What do you believe their shared common non negotiable values are, including your own? Like what do they have to embody?
0: The people whose companies I'm buying or the people I'm doing the part doing the deal with? uh but, um, I, my, my co-founders
1: yeah i'm gonna say co-founders for now because it's whoever you're spending the most time with
0: is the yeah. answer yeah so i'm i've I'm actually think i've i've put that team together so i have uh uh three partners right now well two partners that are fully in and one that i'm trying to to, to potentially do a deal with yeah, uh, who are visionaries, great, uh, great at doing deals, and really hard workers, and focused on building something special.
1: Great. And what do you all, if you had to have a polarizing statement, what's what's something you absolutely? It could be one, two, or three things you absolutely will not live with. They, it's you can't have it. I call it the turd in the punch bowl. So if there's one turd in the punch bowl, everyone gets sick. What are some? non-negotiable polarizing values that if you're like this, it's a hell no.
0: Yeah. It would be like no assholes. Um, Mm -hmm. It it would be one. Uh, It would be people that are, you know, lazy or not, not inspired to build something great. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those are the hell knows. And it would probably be people that want to just keep doing things the way that they've always been done.
1: Okay. Yeah. So status quo. Good. Those are great. So then, um, Let's pretend now, um, if we're doing the D D and the DOS, the dangers. So why don't you have everything you want or need right now? Or if you could wave a magic wand and have the missing piece, the gap filled, what do you think uh, the gap is at the moment that's preventing you from living inside this perfect one-year-from-today vision?
0: I I think it's probably capital at this point, like like just getting our capital squared away.
1: And, and you know that, you know, I believe that every single human being on the world, when you know what you want and need, you are simply one story, one phone call, one relationship away from having that filled. You know, like you, if you and I had a great story that could be composed in two or three days, um, a great pitch deck that, you know, you knew who you you're pitching, you could walk into a room show 10 slides, inspire them, and they'd be like, dude, you are exactly what I've been looking for. That is exactly what I want to be involved in, right? And there's someone mm-hmm. who knows that person probably in your immediate or one degree of separation network.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right? There is. There is, you're right, because cause I got made that introduction about three months ago. <laughs>
1: Great. So now you're Oops. the pitch. You're the pitch away or the inspirational story away. Like, it is... And they have to feel like they're the hero in the movie. Um, so I always say you are a hero's journey story away from any life you want to live into. And and that's the way I live now. It's like at the end of the day, you would ask like, you know, you have a final question that you like to ask. And I was thinking about that as I gave you that answer. But um, I'll wait until you ask it. But I... I, I I realized something just as I was telling you that that'll help. But
0: yeah, I love it, man. And 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 what you just like uh, actually, what like kind of the process. Like, I know it was a quick process that we just kind of walked through. Was uh, I I I have done a lot of that, which is you know without going into too much detail on what I'm what's happening for me yeah massive massive things are happening in my world on the private equity side because yeah. i executed on what you're talking about so great. so it's really cool to hear and 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 that was some of it was accidental and some of it was you know through effort right yeah but, but it's it's really cool to know that 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 this is a big part of you know and you using my examples kind of a it's a it's a it's a different example, right? But it's really cool to know that, that there's someone out there that's adding the value you're adding in the world with the work you're doing, Mike. So I, I really appreciate that. You are listening to The Greatness Machine, and that's a wrap for today. Listen, if you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you're tuning in on.